I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome, okay. Al Ewing. Uh, thank you. It's, uh, <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> How are you enjoying the convention uh, so far? I'm liking it. I'm always, I'm always a big fan of these kind of like free cons where people can just bring the kids and um, you know they're in, they're in libraries. It's it's sort of introducing people to the um, to the world of comics and I kind of like that. I do prefer those to the sort of more you know with all the actors and all. Yeah, the, so more like TV and yeah, the ones the ones that are more sort of. Uh, my girlfriend calls them merch barns. <laughs> merch barns, yeah, you're right. You're ones, right. ones that are a bit more, more of that nature. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm obviously very happy to be here. And, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. Fantastic, I'm fantastic. A good time meeting people. And uh, and well, Oldham Comic Con is all about comics are for everybody. Cons mm. are for everybody. People from all walks of life, every background sure. you can sure. think of. What would you say to people who don't believe that? Um, you mean the fash? <laughs> Uh, go away. Go away. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. Go away. You put it uh, in the most polite way possible, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I think this is it's one facet of a... If we're going to get political for a second, it's, yeah, sure. it's one yeah. facet of a larger problem where like, almost the entirety of pop culture and the entirety of culture is being sort of attacked by mm. the far right right now yeah. as, as a kind of battleground. Mm. And comics are just one facet of that. So exactly, it's, yeah. it's you see all this stuff happen, and you think, "Oh, this is a it's a comics problem." But it's an every it's an everything problem. It's yeah. an everywhere problem. And you know, I don't I don't really know how we're going to deal with it aside from just stand on ground and kind of say, "No, actually, this is open to everybody. Come along, you're welcome." I think you're yeah, right. but you know, it's. This is a problem that, you know, I, I can't come up with a magic solution for you. No, definitely trying, not. So definitely I think not. we all just have to kind of pull together. So so I just want to ask, going back to your childhood, <coughs> where did, you know, do you remember your first comic that you ever picked up? Uh, it would have been, it would have probably been Buster. Yeah, because it wasn't, I mean, the Beano was sort of there, but even, there was always a bit like, it didn't, at the time it wasn't so appealing, it didn't kind of reach out, and I think the art, the art in Buster, which was the IPC thing, that was a lot more yeah. um, vibrant, it was a lot more, it felt more chaotic, it felt more kind of interesting at the time, I mean, I would have been like so small, I wouldn't have thought in those terms, but like, but from there it was a very quick jump to 2080, and yeah, because that was kind of, and again, you know, you were going to the news agent for your comics, so this was like what was on the, it was what was on the shelves, yeah. it was what was like, you know, it had kind of, my big brother would sort of uh, bring stuff back into the house, and so, you know, that was kind of how I saw 2000 AD. And again, this stuff grabs you, it grabs you as a kid, just like the level of, just that quite visceral level, because 2000 yeah. was like, you know. It's very full on, isn't it? It's very full on, it's really like, at the time, it was like four eight to twelves in that way that like that slightly subversive way yeah like no, I understand um, what I mean, yeah. you know it's it's something that you know your parents won't really approve of and that's kind of a big thing for yeah, kids definitely. it's like something that's sort of theirs and it's just like absolute trash <laughs> and you know that was that i love that you know the whole thrill power thing the whole like you know this kind of shorthand for this sort of visceral electric thrill mm. um, that you get from like 
something like Judge Dredd. Or... Yeah, it's like it was like something you shouldn't be reading at that age, and you knew that. It's yeah. like those like, those horror films you would see as a kid. You're like, I shouldn't really be seeing this, but I like it. Yeah, I really like it. And I mean, and, and it, I, I kind of got on board 2000 AD at exactly the right time because it sort of grew up with in that when I was like 16, it was aiming itself at 16 year olds, and you know, and so on and so forth. And now it's aimed at grown ups, and you know, technically, I am one. But at the same time, roughly the same time, this was all. This was all sort of. I look back on this and it was like, I feel like it was almost all happening at once. It was almost, it would have been like in the, roughly the same year. But like Marvel UK reprinted uh, Secret Wars, which was, DC weren't doing any reprints like this at the time. But Marvel, Marvel UK, they had their Spider-Man comic, which was like, I think it just started reprinting Spidey Super Stories. So it had taken a massive nosedive in terms of the age level it was aimed at. So it wasn't for me anymore. But I don't know, I think they started reprinting Secret Wars, and that's the great comic where all of the Marvel superheroes stand in a line and say their own names. <laughs> and that is like, you know, thank goodness, because... <laughs> and then all of the Marvel supervillains do the same thing. You know, they're on their own, they're in their own line, saying their own names. And it's like, you look back, and it's like, uh, this is the most awkward thing <laughs> but it, at the time you know I, this Mind was my first Marvel comic it was like it was really useful yeah well if you again if you're not if you're not familiar with those characters yeah. that universe and nobody was no and Secret Wars for me was a big was a big part of that I know I know it was produced primarily to sell yeah. toys yeah uh, which is why they list all I mean, I had, I had the toys yeah, of course you did I got the toys did? <laughs> you know I remember like um, you know making like a trek to Kingston <laughs> yeah. that was where you could find uh, the whole set, everything. Yeah. Well, Wasn't it, I think there was even characters that weren't even in Secret Wars, like Deadable and things like that. I think there, well, there was there was like the there was a first series of them which was um, they were all in Secret Wars. But then there was like you got you could get the Falcon, you could get yeah, like yeah. a couple of others that Baron Zemo, I think you could get. Yeah. And I think that was like their attempt to sort of expand things yeah, a bit. Yeah, of course. They were like, we need to sell and, more, so we need them to be different. And it kind of flopped a bit, I think, because <laughs> there weren't any more Secret Wars figures after that. <laughs> so you, you actually went on to write for 2000 AD. Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. How, how did that feel, that you went from this childhood wonderment of, of reading all these stories to actually creating those stories? I mean, I guess I never even... I never even considered it as like a career option until I saw the submissions guidelines which they still have up on their website for 2000 AD. They had the, you know, this is how you get a future shock done. And because 2000 AD have the, the future shock, the tradition of, like, um, starting new or newish writers off with these very short twist ending stories, it was like, it felt like this was, like, within my reach, that I could, like, do this, yeah. send one off, and maybe it'd get accepted. And I think I, I think since I started 2000 AD, there's been one other person who's got in through the slush bar, but, like, it's very rare that you do that, but like um, that was that was how I how I got in, and then you know then and that was like the I think the first story I submitted. I kind of submitted another one after that, and they were like, actually, we like this first one. Can you tinker with that, yeah, like yeah. make it readable? <laughs> uh, but the basic idea is good. Yeah. You just need to like learn how to write comics. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, you know, there was like a solid year of like no, 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 no. no. And then eventually I kind of got another one through and then it's like slowly clawing your way up to like up the ladder. getting a series, you know, getting a, like a little short series, then getting a longer series, then mm -hmm. getting like a dread. And it's like you're slowly kind of, there's definitely a ladder you kind yeah, of Yeah, you have you to kind of climb. climb the... I think, it's, I think it's a bit quicker to get to dread these days. 
Um, at the time, it felt like a big threshold I was crossing. But now I'm thinking like it's more like we we really need some dread. <laughs> you know, can <laughs> you think more. of a six page dread? Please, please give yes. us more dread. Everyone wants more dread. Who doesn't? I mean, look at the dreads here today. Oh yeah. Oh well, they're always good. The um, and they're always like every time every time I see like the dread contingent turn up at one of these conventions, there's always a new one. There's always like an SJS judge or like. <laughs> A Brexit judge. Like, I saw a Manchester judge walking Yeah, I earlier. saw that. But and that was got great. He had, he had the little B. Yeah. And that was, that was fantastic. I yeah, love that. I love, I love I that love stuff. That. And that, yeah. That's another part of the, the conventions. that we They bring in so many different people, so many, yeah. so many different ideas and unique ways of thinking. That's fun. It's fun. It's fun for everybody to kind of get together and, like, and, and have a chat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like we're doing now. So, guys, do we want to get on to Hulk? Yeah, of course. Tell us a little bit about Amol Hulk. That's it's a very different from any iteration of Hulk before, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically we're going back to um, the Hulk's kind of roots in terms of the very first issues that came out with him when it was basically a horror book in that it was about this sort of rampaging creature who comes out at night, who's like the dark side of this sort of. It's it's pitched that way in. Right in the first issue, is like um, you know, there's there's this this mild mannered scientist, but then inside him, there's this this dark side who kind of despise. What, what's the exact phrasing? It's like he despises reason and worships power. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> and right. And then it's like, um, yeah, and, and you know, it, it being the first issue of a, a comic in the sixties, it, it goes all over the place. It takes this like left turn into like bashing the Reds, but like yeah, um, yeah, very much so. That's that's kind of the hog too. This this sort of very sort of chaotic figure where you never know what you're going to get. Well, he's like he's like a gamma bomb, just kind of waiting to explode, isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. But you never you never know what kind of hog you're going to end up with. Yeah. And I think that's part of the appeal is that he's so unlike all the other heroes, he's so changeable. <laughs> and even even within this series itself, we've kind of we started off and it was a certain thing, and everybody was very comfortable about. Everybody was like the first five issues. Everybody was very kind of comfortable about like oh it's going to be this yeah it's going to be this every month mm-hmm. oh this is good this is what we want it's going to be and then it's like by issue five it was like it's it's changing slightly i'm not mm-hmm. sure i mean i mean i guess it's going to get back to this and then like you know we by issue 13 we're like in hell talking about like like uh, Kabbalah and the kind of you know the role of satan there. it's like and everybody's like i don't know what's going on anymore <laughs> well you, you even describe uh, the hulk in the books as like an engine of destruction or the, yeah, the engine of hell people was, call him the devil and things like that there's a lot of kind of it's it's not like a, a big religious there's a lot of kind of religion in there and yeah. that it's sort of it's taking a lot of sort of stuff from childhood and from um, i don't know it's it's like with the hulk when something gets in my head it's a place to kind of write that out mm. so like um the the religious stuff in there it's just sort of one facet of this big mm. soup of subconscious and like psychological stuff i mean on, on the one hand i don't want to i don't want to kind of sound too pretentious with it no of course not yeah. but like um i don't want to make out like it's sandman or something but like <laughs> uh on the other hand it is such he's such a like psychological character he's such a a psychological monster that you've got to take all this stuff. I've started calling it on emails when I kind of when I sent stuff in and it's got like some weird and disturbing stuff in. I, I talk about like it's the the deep the deep silt from the bottom of the dream tank, um, which nice. is it's a line from uh, Graham Morrison's Nameless. But like um, it's it's how I feel. You're, you're just taking this 
you're taking this muck from like the deep subconscious bits mm. and like spreading it liberally everywhere to like you know <laughs> add a, add some extra to it because I, I I don't want it to be predictable. I don't no, want anybody not. to know what what's coming what's next. Coming next yeah. You know, even me. So that's amazing. It's, and it's kind of working. It's working out so far. Yeah, it's working out well. But but that was that was the idea. Mm. We wanted to bring it back to that kind of horror roots, and we had a big advantage. A huge advantage in that he was dead at the time. Bruce spoilers, Banner, spoilers, everybody. Bruce Banner had been killed, <laughs> and I was in the room when they made that decision. It was a good decision. I was like, "Yes, kill him off. This is good." Always in the back of my mind, thinking, "I can bring him back later." You know, let him lay fallow. Like it, it's never ever hurt a character. Look, look at how popular Fantastic Four is. Yeah. It's never hurt a comic character to lay fallow for a couple of years. They did it with Thor as well. Then they killed, oh yeah, they killed oh, all of Asgard. And suddenly, off. you know, Thor like went from being just this kind of middling to like when's Thor coming back and then like he came back and everybody's like oh, Thor's back and he's more popular than ever yes right? yeah so and it's like if you just let it's like it's like farmers fields if you just let it lay fallow for a little bit let people miss let people remember that they miss these characters and, and and it also gives you time to kind of think about like what is it what is the essence what do people love yeah. what does what do the writers love yeah. about about these characters so like it gives you kind of time to sort of have a think about it. Get back to basics. Yeah. And we, we were very lucky that we had that we had that chance with we weren't kind of like just popping on with a new number one and then everything you know about Bruce Banner is wrong. We we built up that hunger. Because you know there there have been Hulk comics but like um, it was a different Hulk and like, you know, people were after the old Hulk. Yeah. The classic and, you know, the classic Hulk. So yeah, so we we did get very lucky there, and because he was coming back from being dead uh, and not coming back from like you know retirement or yeah. exiled or something, being depowered yeah. or like um, you know just being like, oh, phew, I'm not the Hulk anymore. Now it's your turn to be the Hulk. I'll just be here in the background as one of go. You know, they they didn't do that. They killed no. him off, and that meant that we had we had our in in terms of like the horror thing. We can just like okay, he's coming back from the dead right there. That's a horror thing. That's yeah. um. That's that's all. That's all. Way in. Did did you have? Did you take any? I'm a big horror movie fan. Did you take any inspiration from any particular horror movies? Like uh, the we Dead do. Or something? We do now. When we started, it was. Um, I forget what the inspirations were like very early on. I think it was much. It was much creepier. The first things and much more kind of disturbing. The idea was that we wouldn't. We wouldn't see much smashing. Yeah. Um, for the first, I think three three issues or so, we wanted to like keep that kind of off panel simmering, and then like do a big just cut loose for the the end of the first trade. Uh, but then Joe basically, I think he put in like an Easter egg, like in the hospital sequence, or like the the there's a sequence where like uh, Wall Lankowski transforms into Sasquatch, and it's very American Werewolf in London. And I was like, and he actually like added to that because in the I just had a couple of like beats of like you know his facing the gates and things, and like Joe made it a whole sequence. And I was like, oh wow, yeah, this is this looks really good. You're really into these movies, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah," because he was putting in these Easter eggs where, like, he was naming hospital wings after like famous SFX people. Yeah, and I was recognising it. So I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I re- that name. Yeah, mm. you're not referring to like uh, Tom Savini there." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And it turns out he's this massive fan of John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes, what a film! Um, and that pretty much informed everything since. It's like I try and make sure there's that thing moment. Yeah. Every so often for Joe. And like, yeah, things have kind of... That was, I think, the key that really sort of solidified... Because we were getting on, 
you know, we were going on like a house of fun. But yeah. I think that that kind of shared thing was like that shared touch zone mm. was like the thing that kind of really solidified the working what, relationship. Yeah, mm. and it was like okay, we both like we both like body horror. We both like you know, let's put more of that in. Yeah, and now we we kind of keep going back to that that place every so often, and it's it's mostly so Joe can just really cut loose. Mm. Yeah, art wise. Well, he's a fantastic artist. If you've seen the book, he's phenomenal. He's doing the work of his career right now. Yeah, I would it's say. so so. The the Hulk's never looked more terrifying than this book. I will guarantee it. Um, you were talking about kind of Easter eggs and stuff. And I yeah, I've seen yeah. kind of there are a few kind of. Um, there's a reporter in it who's called McGee. Is that right? Uh, Jackie McGee. Yeah, Jackie McGee, we... which is reference to the TV show, isn't it? It's it's yeah, it's an Easter egg. She's not really based on. I haven't seen enough episodes of the TV show to really base her on no, no. that character. I've sort of seen, you know, I see it every so often. It's like, you know, it's a Saturday morning thing. Because mm-hmm. like, he was very kind of trying to prove the Hulk's existence. And we were kind of starting off with this thing where, like, nobody knew that the Hulk was alive, but there were sightings. And I was thinking, well, let's have a reporter, like, going around and trying to get the story on these sightings. And that ended up being, being Jackie. And we kind of, like, uh, we ended up this thing where, like... Um, we wanted to like give us some sort of driving force and like so we had a thing where the Hulk smashed her house when she was just a kid and like you know her dad basically this is sort of between the line stuff but her dad basically died from the stress of trying to put their life back together wow. so the Hulk kind of killed her dad but in this sort of indirect way where like you know he could he technically not to blame but it's like yeah he kind of is and it's like um, and yeah and, you know Jackie's very kind of like sees the Hulk as sort of an example of power without consequence right. which you know is, is is an outside perspective given that hog readers will know that the hog does face some consequences but from an outside perspective yeah he's just this big green monster who, like mm. smashes things and walks away and i mean i think as as she's sort of stayed in the book and as she's hung out with the hog more you know they've kind of they formed this weird quasi friendship i feel like this is this is sort of an issue like yet to come but there's this sort of they kind of get along in like a way that's sort of not really spoken but there's a sort of mutual understanding of like where they're coming from and that's after the hell issues what her thing is now is that like she doesn't really want to be doing Hulk stories anymore because like it turns out it's really horrible and scary and she's got like PTSD from it but like um, you know people want Hulk stories and she's kind of carrying her into our newspapers, so she's got to go back yeah. out there and like. So it's sort of it's nice to, that the dynamic is kind of evolving. So like we've gone from this very like the TV show, mm-hmm. the Jack McGee, yeah. you know, I've got to find the Hulk, got to kind of you know, got to expose Hulk, expose Hulk. Yeah. And we've gone to that to a more kind of like, yeah, this is okay. Now how do I stop? Yeah. Telling Hulk stories. Now? <laughs> kind of just can't stop. Yeah. And a bit like, like yourself, then you just can't stop, stop telling these. Oh uh, yeah, but I enjoy it. So. <laughs> it's, it is different. Um, Great stuff. Yeah. Um, speaking about kind of the Hulk history and Hulk kind of characters, do you have a favourite kind of run on the Hulk? Favourite creator? Or favorite, oh, oh, so favorite many. type of Hulk? Yeah, there are so many. So many. I mean, I'm um, I'm a big fan of. Phone is buzzing. buzzing I don't know somebody. I don't know if somebody's <laughs> calling me or. I'm just getting a lot of no. It's, it's just getting a lot of text. No worries. Um, sorry, I was just going to hit the hit the red button. <laughs> Somebody called. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, favorite hog runs. I mean, um, when I was a kid, the Peter David run was just hitting. Yeah. It was it was Al Milgram, who I don't think gets enough credit for bringing back the Grey Hulk. Um, because I started reading the Hulk again because um I sort of knew him from Secret Wars Night and from reprints, pocket books of those first six issues. 
and Anne O'Neill from like cartoons. Mm. There was the whole cartoon at the time. Mm. And you know, he was kind of like my favourite hero, but in this very sort of osmosis way that like I think I think kids have favourite superheroes these days and they're like from the films, from cartoons, you know, not really from comics. And that was that was kind of even back then and that was like my experience with the Hulk. It's mm. like I knew him from the wider culture. I didn't know him from like his comics. So when I started picking up Hulk comics, when like American comics became more available in news agents, mm. it was like the John Byrne Hulk. John Byrne was very popular at the time, and I was like, "Oh, he's on the Keith, Hulk." Keith worked on that as well. Keith worked oh, yeah. on those ones. Yeah, he worked on the the, oh, right. the John Byrne run of the Hulk. Yeah, he oh, wow. uh, did the backgrounds and the inks and stuff. So, man, I did not know that. You'll have to talk to him about it. I'll have to. <laughs> but like, um, but I remember like it was it was kind of you know it was fun, but like uh, things really seemed to get interesting when like Al Mulgrew came came along, and suddenly there were like two Hulks, and that that was exciting. That that felt new, and then Peter David comes along and like just keeps going with it. There's, there was not this... I feel like there's a sort of desire these days to sort of put the toys back in the toy box at the end of your... Yeah, like the end of your run. I'm yeah. against that. I think you should leave the toys strewn around the playroom in a state of... And then make the next person deal with it. <laughs> um, give a harder job. <laughs> I've been told. I've been told that's very rude of me. <laughs> like, uh, but but I mean, like, you want, you want but that's how it was. That's changes. how that's how it was back in the day, and that's that's how the Peter David run was so seminal because he was starting. He was starting from this place of change, and he felt free to. I mean, I'd have to talk to him, but I'm assuming he felt free to like continue the changes and yeah. do, and he had a free hand to like. To kind of do what he wanted, so so you ended up with this very long, constantly evolving. A big a big reason to like pick up the Hulk, yeah, was to see where it was going next. It wasn't like he had eleven years on the book, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't years. like this thing where like, and I mean at the time everybody was doing that, but it's like it's not like this thing where like Spider Man will always be. You know, we've we've had a sort of thus far and no further with Spider Man, mm. um, and you know, especially with like the DC heroes, they're always getting like pushed back to like square one but like um that that was part of the big draw was like where is it going next you know what is this going to turn into and then before that i and i i discovered this kind of i did read a few of these at the time they were coming out but the bill mantler stuff i did i did read a couple of like the hulk at the crossroads issues and like they were kind of interesting but i was coming in like right in the middle of the story yeah at the part where the hulk was at the most unrelatable so like you know i kind of picked them up i thought oh this is interesting and then i kind of didn't bother yeah keeping up with it but like reading reading the bill mantlow hulk is like a block it's really dark yeah. it's really like i think he introduced the, the introduced the uh the child abuse angle and things like that. yeah he, he brings yeah. the child abuse angle in like bruce is just suicidal for most of it you know it's really i mean it's it's that kind of late 70s early 80s i want to say let's say it might just be early 80s but it's that early 80s thing of like um, everyone's very declamatory everybody's yeah. very poetical in their thing it's you know dialogue isn't naturalistic at all but that just makes it more that just brings out the tragedy mm. and the kind of and that's a real that's if if you can get your hands on that run that's a really yeah. interesting there's a great issue where he the hulk arrives in kind of israel palestine and deals with the conflict there oh boy and it is so it's all about the death of a young boy yeah and it's absolutely tragic and the hulk's crying at the end of it and he just doesn't understand why there's this war going on and there's this hatred between these two people yeah, and it's it's uh, it's a hell of an issue. I, d- I would definitely track that one down if you can. Can't remember I mean, the issue exactly. I, I was thinking more of like when the Hulk gets Bruce Banner's brain because I've sort oh, of yeah. I've sort of read from that thing, but just watching the slow falling apart. Yeah, that was something I was missing slightly from Endgame. I was hoping we'd see more of. I I understand, you know, Universal have their hooks into it. They do, yeah. 
and like um, he, you know, he is like part of a team and a sort of background character, like other people's stories. Endgame's been out for a while, but I should probably stop talking about it because <laughs> not, everybody spoilers, room, not everybody in this room will have seen no, it. No, I mean, the spoiler ban is lifted, but still people haven't seen it. Yeah, so I should probably... Yeah. Has, everyone, probably, has everyone seen it? Have we all seen it? Oh, okay, that's good, that's good. Speaking of that, I think we should open the questions yeah, up yeah, to curious, everybody here. Curious. So, hands up, who wants to go first? Yes. I actually want to talk about the newer books, actually, if that's okay. Sure. I know that we've obviously been looking back at you know, talking about the previous rooms. Yeah, but sure. So you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'm, third, I'm juggling third, things. 13 titles. Uh, no, no, not 13 titles. That was actually revealed yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's more 13 pages. Yeah, basically, um, what that is, and this has now been revealed, is that they're doing a special kind of... 80th anniversary celebration book and it's basically 80 years 80 pages each page kind of represents a year of Marvel's publication history so like and I did about I wrote about a quarter of that basically to give it to give it a spine because there have been sort of big books of like one page stories before and like um, I think for this they really wanted like a through line so it wasn't just like a, a popery but they wanted a they wanted a through line they wanted like a new character to come out of it they wanted like some new some new toys to play with basically to kind of come out of it I for my part I really like the sort of the puzzle element of taking you know Marvel's publication history and like turning it into a story and sort of so um, I've ended up doing a whole bunch of one page stories that interlock and fit together into basically from my perspective it's a one-off so it's not a you know it, it probably takes about probably took about three times as long to write i'm just gonna say how far are you into the writing of it oh the writing is the writing is the writing is done every one of those one pages has been written now they need to be dialogued because the art is coming in yeah they've all been written it's i, I think it's a good story it's i i'd like i feel like i managed to keep that kind of the modular nature of the one pages and have them like interlocked so to make a big story but it's not the I, i'm not sure why they kind of uh advertised it as if i was writing the entirety of marvel <laughs> um because you know that's just that's just weird I, you know it's they could have just dropped my name the once. <laughs> I don't know why they did it that way. I found it interesting that you also had all the, these separate artists that were involved for your separate um, sections. Um, how's it been to kind of deal with all of those different um, approaches been, to art? It's been a joy because I just do the... The way it works is that I do the, the kind of one page and very occasionally I'll say something like this would be a good one for Christian Ward or like... Um, but mostly I send the page through to Tom. He takes a look at it and goes, do you know it would be a good fit for that? This person. And like, and that's sort of my involvement done. So I mean, I guess the hard part is just artist proofing all of these like one pages, so they could go to anybody, and then letting letting editorial be editorial and do and do that side and kind of place the scripts with the right artists. And what's come back has just been absolutely. Uh, oh, except for the one I did for Josh Perez. I knew I was doing that one for Josh Perez, and that was extremely frightening. <laughs> because he is a legend. And the art's come back now, and I've taken one look at it, and I've thought, I need to cut my dialogue by about, by about 60%. <laughs> I don't want to hide any of that underneath the speech balloon, but I, but I have to. Anybody Thank else you. for questions? Yep. all the work you've done over the years, what can be the most proud of and regretted doing? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Big question. Regretted probably that Ninjet series I did for Dynamite. Apologies if anybody really liked that, but that kind of that came out of quite a compromised place for me. And 
and uh, I don't think I managed to save it from its basic premise. So yeah, you know, it's got my name on it, it always will have, it's not great. Uh, again, very sorry if that is your favourite work of mine, uh, but yeah, that that's the one I regret. If I had it all to do again, I'd probably not do that. Which I could say, because I don't think I'm going back there. Um, <laughs> but like, in terms of the thing I'm proudest of, I think it might be Hulk. I think what I'm doing right now, I feel like it's, I'm very happy with myself, I'm very happy that I've managed to write a book that actually sells. Yeah, I mean, that's a milestone to like have something that's like up there in the, you know, and doing really well for retailers because generally my stuff is kind of like it's got a little niche following and then it gets cancelled. But so this is this is a big thing for me. So, yeah, I guess in terms of like, but and also I'm proud of it on a creative level as well. I feel like I've sort of I've gotten better in a way that is visible with that. I feel like I've sort of pushed, you know, pushed myself a bit and and I've, I've done better. Before that, I'd say the thing I was probably proudest of would be, I think, maybe The Ultimates, because I was I really enjoyed doing that, and I thought that came out very well. But I think now, right now, it's Hulk. Hulk is the thing that I'm proudest of. Any other questions, guys? Oh, yeah, oh. there we go. Is there much pressure from editorial to make a Hulk crossovers and part of the main... Absolutely not. They've been really good. I put that in the pitch that I don't want to do crossovers or tie-ins. I put that in as part of the, like, this is how we're going to make this book a success by not doing that. Um, and they've been really great about, like, okay. And every time there's, like, a big event and it's, like, we really like the Hulk to be part of this, do you want to do a separate, like a separate one-off and that's that's good because that's kind of the best of both worlds because it means that we've got this this book that never never has a banner on it never has like a um a thing where people get taken out of the story and into another story you can you can if you want to buy just the one comic forever and that'll be the hulk and that's all we need but we've also you know if you want extras we have extras but it's never they're never like you have to buy these or you know you're like you're not gonna get the full story it's never that um and i think that's a good balance to kind of strike because we did the we did the we sort of road tested this a little bit with the defenders thing because that was basically i was thinking of that in terms of like annuals like, you don't need to buy annuals, but they're extras. And there are a couple of people who are like, oh, I thought Hulk was going to have no times. This is technically a time. And it's like, people very quickly kind of understood that, like, no, it's not. Not really. It's like, you can see where it would fit in. It's not necessary. You can't completely ignore it. And you'll lose nothing. So I guess that's the balance we're trying to get. And I don't know... It's sort of experimental territory at the minute. It's, it's not the way things have been done lately. And the thing is that tie-ins still work, they still sell, they're still, people still buy them, people still go for them. But I guess what we're proving with Immortal Hulk is that there is this other option. That we can do it this way, and it'll do well, and... You know, we've, we've sort of disproven the idea that tie-ins are, like, necessary. As opposed to just being fun. So, you know, I, I've editorially been great. They've been great all all over the Hulk. They've been like really from the start. They've just been really accommodating in terms of like letting us do what we want to do and letting us have that. And part of that is because it's been successful. That like we've got a lot of rope to hang ourselves with. And uh, part of that is. 
Yeah, I think I think you know I've I've earned at this point I've earned a level of trust, and the rest of the team have earned a level of trust, and we're sort of being allowed to kind of have our heads a little bit. Uh, anybody, oh, you got another one? Uh, yeah, it does seem to be uh, the main goal for artists and writers to get a creator-owned book. Well, I am <laughs> in. I can't announce anything yet, uh, but paperwork has been done, and yeah, basically I will have a creator-owned thing coming out in the near future that I'll properly announce, I think, when we're ready to, um, which would probably be the company. We're working with a publisher, and it'll probably be the publisher going, like, now. So um, you can't say a publisher can't say who's doing it? Uh, no, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really comfortable. There's, there's I'm not only, comfortable couple, doing that. There's only that, a yeah. couple, really, that you can... I mean, it's one of those. Yeah. But like, I'm not. I'm not super comfortable like talking about it beyond reassuring people that yes, I am doing a creator own thing. But you know, you'll hear more about that. I think we're just. I think we're just looking at the letter, isn't it? Yeah. You know, by the time by the time it announces, we'll have the we'll have the full team. And yeah, it's gonna be. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be a fun thing. It's sort of uh, it's a science fictiony thing. Last couple of questions, then we'll have to finish off. Anybody got any more? Yes, your man. Did you enjoy the Hulk um, Daredevil crossover? The Hulk Daredevil crossover? Yeah, there was a comic book on, I think a few volumes, where Daredevil and Hulk were together. I'm trying to remember, was that Mark Wade? Indestructible Hulk? Because he was doing Daredevil and Hulk yeah. at the same time. I think it was the Mark Wade one, yeah. Yeah, if, if you're talking about the Mark Wade stuff... Um, He's he's always good. Uh, I remember like I remember reading I remember reading that whole period and kind of like really really being into it. But I think um, and I think if I know his Daredevil run at that time was just really something special. It was good. So like um, I think if I can't remember it, I'd be lying if I said I remembered it. But I think I would have read it at the time and I would have enjoyed it if that's what you mean. Last question, anybody? Yep. Uh, I'd I'd like him to. It's uh, it's the problem lies with me because I'm really really busy all the time, and you know Henry's Henry's not short of work himself. We've talked about it. We've we've sort of discussed it, but it's like every book of Zombo kind of takes longer to to just skate and get to the it gets more difficult the more of it we do I don't know I would like to get Henry I want to at some point if I can get Henry on the Hulk for like a guest issue that is a that is a plan I have and maybe once we start working together again we'll sort of start brainstorming and you know maybe there'll be more Zombo but there's definitely room for more Zombo and we'd like to do more Zombo and eventually 2000 AD will get somebody else to do Zombo so one way or another you'll get more of it <laughs> If if I if I delay any longer, they'll bring something else. I don't know. I don't know if they would or not, but no, they, might, they might. Fair enough. Um, actually, got time for one more. If anyone wants to squeeze one in quick. No, I don't think so. Oh, oh, oh just the last minute. What's your favourite artist that you've worked with? Oh boy. I mean, this is this is an evil question because <laughs> you know. But like, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll run off just off the top of my head, and apologies to any artist I'm admitting. Obviously, working with Joe is fantastic. So I love working with him. I love working with him and him and Wright. Working with Lee on Loki was a wonderful thing. Kenneth Rock before and Ultimates. And travel foreman afterwards. Actually, they were both. They had their different styles, but they were both like really amazing. To and they always delivered these amazing, wonderful, surprising pages. Uh, pre pre Marvel. Uh, 
Paco Medina. I'm just listing every artist I've worked with. <laughs> Paco Medina, uh, always love working with him. Henry, obviously, uh, I had a, I've had a good time every time I've worked with uh, Simon Fraser. I'm trying to think, uh, John Davis Hunt, I always I enjoyed working with him. Uh, it's been really fascinating watching him on the World Storm because, like, that's like you can see he's, you can see he's leveled up a bit. Um, there are artists I'd like to work with, um, which might be a, a fairer question for me because then I can kind of not leave anyone out. Uh, I would mind. I'd love to work with Jamie McKelvey sometime on something. I know um, you know it'd have to be something quite short, and I know he's got his own projects to think about. But like, uh, so I'd love to work with him. I'd love to work with. I'm trying to think of somebody who's not in the Marvel of Thousand Book as well, because <laughs> uh, you know I, I have worked with a lot of people. But like, um, Rachel Stark. Sorry, Rachel Stark. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah, I love to work with Rachel. That's she's great. Um, Duncan Figueiredo. One day I'd like to do something with Duncan Figueiredo. So, you know, so that would be good. Perfect. Well, I think that's a good place. To yeah, end good it. place to stop. Give um, Al Ewing a massive round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.